0: From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. Touchdown, 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 don't win it. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis.
1: Welcome in. It's the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. We are back and it is game week for the Peach Bowl. Georgia and Ohio State for a spot in the National Championship game. There are players going in and coming to Georgia out of the transfer portal. Even a Georgia basketball player has reportedly gone in. We will talk Buckeyes and Bulldogs with Joey Kaufman of the Columbus Dispatch. Ryan, how's it going?
2: Oh man, it's going. Got through the holidays, I think, uh, in one piece. So uh, yeah, ready for a little Georgia football, Ohio State, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's a whirlwind this next coming week, man, with everything got going on with players coming in, coach, uh, you know, interviews and press conferences and everything. Before we finally get to a New Year's Eve game with the Georgia Bulldogs in Atlanta, so it's uh, it's very exciting. How's Things with you. How were, uh, I guess, a little bit of time off and all that for your, for you?
1: We're not talking about the furlough right now, um, <laughs> but I will say we're recording this on Monday night. We really plan to record this on Monday morning, but you know what? Our guest uh, got his, his, his flight. We'll ask him when he comes on, but um, got some travel issues, and he had to drive all day. Um, so we'll talk to him. He's already in Atlanta. I'm going to be there tomorrow morning. Um I don't know when we're posting this. We're posting this Monday uh Tuesday morning or we're posting it tonight.
2: Yeah, I think Tuesday morning.
1: All right. Um Ryan it's uh I think it's below freezing again here in Athens as I speak. I did drip my faucets as far as I know no pipes have burst. Power did flicker and never went off uh, a couple of days ago. So success. Hope you had a Merry Christmas listeners. I uh, hope you enjoyed the holiday season. And um, hope you uh, didn't lose power and stayed warm. It's been crazy cold. Um, not Indianapolis. Uh, I saw Ryan. He tweeted. I guess it was Friday or Saturday about how cold it was in Indianapolis. It's it's pretty damn damn close uh, to that cold a couple of days ago here.
2: I mean, I tell you, I I don't think I'd ever experienced cold like we experienced in, in Indy when it was seven degrees, I think. But but we hit it the other day which was kind of ironic i was up in north carolina actually uh for the holidays my 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 sister lives up that way so we went up there and it was actually warmer around uh greensboro north carolina than it was back down in athens which was which was kind of odd but yeah it was frigid i mean that was that was uh, it did take me back to to our time in indy last year but uh the the power actually went out for a little while up uh up north carolina way but uh glad y'all didn't like have a foot of snow or or more like some places I saw in Buffalo, which I I know that Buffalo, New York is used to that type of weather, but I saw the players had to, you know, get out of the parking lot on their return from whatever, wherever they're playing. And it looked like they had about three feet of snow piled up on the back of their cars. I've never experienced that and never want to.
1: Yeah. I think they're not allowing people to drive in, in uh, that, that part of New York state. Um, I haven't even mentioned yet, but signing day was last week, Georgia, Number two in the nation on the 247 sports composite, two five star recruits, 21 four stars, and they have 27 commitments. 25 have signed. A couple guys that, that I guess are going to wait till the late signing period, uh, see if they end up in the class. But where to start? How about the transfers? Uh, you know, since we're five days away from the game or four days, this pops up uh, on Tuesday. Uh, you know, we had a chance to talk to Kirby Smart today and, and a couple of Georgia players who uh, it, it was supposed to be an arrival press conference, but they were still in Athens because they practiced this afternoon and got a police escort up for their buses uh, into Atlanta to the uh, team hotel. I saw Holly Rowe on, on ESPN interviewing Kirby, who was dressed up in his uh, suit, uh, wasn't dressed up in a suit for the interview he did with the media. He was in his visor and I guess coming off the practice field, whatever he wore there. But um couple of proven receivers on the SEC level in Dominic Lovett from Missouri, Rara Thomas from Mississippi State. Um, you know, Kirby said these are guys that are kind of proven on the SEC level. Um, Georgia's top receiver this year, Lad McConkie. Marcus Rosemey-Jack Saint, um, you know, was uh, is another returning receiver for next year, presumably averaged 11.2 yards per catch uh we know Ad mitchell hasn't played much this year he he. supposedly he's going to come back now i wrote about the receivers today and i mentioned you know we thought x y or z were come back last year and they had a guy go to alabama right so hmm. we, we don't know for sure but what do you think what do you make of dominique lovett and rara thomas
2: i mean that's two guys that lead their teams in passing or, or receiving yardage you know and uh yeah two big gets i mean in this crazy world of of transfer portals and everything else. And, and I mean, you basically you added two guys that are proven talent to your recruiting class is what it amounted to. And, uh, you know, the, the funny thing is uh, who's going to be throwing them. We know it's not going to be sets and, uh, Bennett throwing them the ball next year, but obviously it's two guys with past success that believe they're going to come to a program that they're going to fit into. And, you know, when you, when you've won a national championship, you might be playing for another one this year. I mean, people want to come play for that program, and uh, you know, it, it's it's really it's really a testament to to just Kirby staying on the path of always making the team better. And uh, that's two guys I think that that Georgia can use next year, and and that might be one of the most dangerous receiving cores in the country. I mean, because you return just about everybody except Kiaris Jackson, I believe, and so you throw those two guys in the mix uh, along with Brock Bowers and. Maybe uh maybe Darnell Washington, we'll see, but definitely a a strong tight end core. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough team to handle. It's gonna be tough. They're uh they're just keep keep getting better and better, it seems.
1: I'd be surprised if Darnell Washington's uh wearing the red and black next year. I, I would he, too. I think he's going in the NFL. I think he's a first round projected uh prospect. I mean, um, who's
2: not salivating over that guy if you're in the NFL? I mean, good gosh, he came out of high school looking like he could jump right into the NFL.
1: Yeah. um, I wrote today that um, expecting Don Blaylock to likely go to the NFL as well. Now he's, you know, he, I don't know if he's going to be drafted or or priority free agent or whatever, but um, my understanding is that he's ready to go Uh, was healthy this season, uh, you know, played every game this year. And when you've had two ACL injuries, you know, and you are healthy. You can't, there's no promise that you're going to be healthy a year from now. So, you know, we'll see if he's uh, when, when and if he makes that that uh, decision official, but that's the way that I understand he was uh, looking to may, maybe, uh, you know, leading in that direction. Um, so, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Darnell Washington, another tight end, uh, no longer with the Bulldogs, Eric Gilbert in the transfer portal. Didn't see him much this year, three games played, had a one touchdown catch. Um, you know, was pretty much fourth on the depth chart, even when he was dressed and ready to go, Uh, you know. So what do you make of Eric Gilbert? And it seems like uh, a lot of hype and then obviously uh, dealt with some, you know, pretty uh, significant personal issues that kept him um, from being able to live up to that kind of potential.
2: Yeah. You you feel for the guy. I mean, obviously we don't know what's going on in, in, you know, outside of the football program with him. And really, we don't know what's going on inside of the football program, but obviously there's some issues that he's dealing with. And last spring, of course, you know, it might've, he had such a great spring and it might've built up these grandiose expectations of what he could do this year in, in, the in the offense. And, you know, obviously that wasn't meant to be and, uh, ha- had more issues. So I just, I just hope well for the guy, you know, you, you, you sit there and you watch and, you know, you hope he can make it in a program, and and with his talent, I think he can go on to the next level if everything gets worked out. But uh, obviously, as far as George's program goes, I mean, it was nice to have him on the team, but to lose him is is not a you know not a huge issue because of how much talent they have. But you know, it's more than that. It just comes down to the individual, and you hope he can go anywhere and be successful again.
1: Yeah, I mean, Oscar Delp was the guy, you know, that was ahead of him on the depth chart, obviously, behind Bowers and and Washington. And they've signed a couple other well-regarded tight ends in this class, um, you know, you know as I scroll down through their list of signees. Pierce Spurlin from uh, South Walton. In in Lawson. What's that?
2: I was going to say in Lawson Lucky, uh, uh, a legacy, right?
1: Yeah, he's he's got a a, a name very familiar. Uh, both these guys are four stars uh, between you know 100 to 150 uh, rated uh, in in that category. So um, you know <clears throat> the tight end has been a very important position for George, and I think there's they're targeting another tight end that's even higher ranked. Um,
2: yeah, out, out of, of Arizona, mm-hmm.
1: out of yeah the west from the West Coast. So
2: they've um, had success with some West Coast tight ends. You know, I mean, uh, so I. I can see how Todd Hartley going out to anywhere on the West Coast, you know, it's not it's not out of a comfort zone for Georgia tight ends. I know that.
1: Bill Norton uh, went to the transfer portal. He's the other guy. Defensive lineman, uh, you know, didn't play much at Georgia, landed at Arizona. So, uh, you know, that's a pretty good deal for him going from one power five school to another, obviously, you know, down significantly on the uh, national radar, but maybe he's got a chance to get some playing time. There. All right, Ryan, um, let's talk about this recruiting class. But before we do, um, I was looking for some Georgia photos. I was curious on the Peach Bowl uh, media site since, uh, uh, you know, they they left, uh, you know, late this afternoon. Uh, But I I didn't see anything posted yet, but I did run across uh, the new mascot for the Peach Bowl. Did you see my tweet on that?
2: I didn't see that. I hope it doesn't look anything like Izzy from the 2000 or the 1996 Olympics. (laughs)
1: I don't know. I don't know what that person uh, looked like. This is Huddles. Uh, He was at Ohio State's team dinner last night. And uh, a couple of people already had tweeted at me that this guy kind of was uh, looking like he was bought off of eBay or something, meaning that uh, he looks like uh, other mascots that are already out there. In fact, Will Cheney from the Augusta paper tweeted uh, that he sees, I guess, a striking resemblance between the mascot for the Red Sox by by the name of Wally.
2: Yeah, yeah, I do see that. I'm not, I'm not familiar with Wally. Yeah, I just looked up your tweet to see this. Oh, you know Wally. Uh, hey. he he looks a lot like that thing. Um, man,
1: that's... I know Wally Backman that used to play for the Mets. No, know, like, no, 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 okay.
2: no, no. That's know, not well, look, uh, wasn't interesting. There, wasn't character. there
1: Wally World from the Angels? What was his name?
2: There was a Wally Joiner back in the day. Is that who that was?
1: Yeah, yeah, Wally Joyner, Wally World.
2: Yeah. Hey, um, so this guy or this thing or this whatever you you'd call it. I mean, it, it kind of has a you know. Philly fanatic look and uh, mixed with uh, the Wally guy. But you know, when, when Blooper was first uh, introduced as a Braves mascot, I thought that was a weird-looking thing, but he's grown on me. And the fact that he he dominates Twitter pretty good is funny. But we'll see. Uh, you you want to get your picture with this guy uh, this week?
1: Mm, we'll see. We'll see what the, see, see what the setting is. Um,
2: Huddles. You think they could have come up with something, different, you know, heat themed or I don't know.
1: So that Falcons mascot – not Falcons mascot, uh, the Braves mascot. Isn't he like uh, destroying kids on the football field? Isn't
2: that him? <laughs> yeah. He's got other uh, mascots doing the same thing, I noticed. It's it's humorous.
1: All right. Let's get back to some real football players, not mascots dressed up to, to try to you know, you know, know, destroy kids. Um, <laughs> what jumps out at me about this class, as usual, for Georgia, is that they load up on defensive players. Like, if we go through the list of the top-rated Georgia players, how many of them are on the defensive side? We start with the five stars. Damon Wallace, edge, defender, A.J. Harris, cornerback. Then you go down, Samuel M. Pemba, edge, Jonell, and I might be butchering his first name, Aguero, uh, safety out of Massachusetts. Yep. Uh, they've had some success with guys from there, Louis Sine.
2: Yeah, same position, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Out of the same area, absolutely.
1: Raylan Wilson, linebacker. Okay, you guys, so you got to go down. You're going one, two, three, four, five. You get to the six rated player. There's an offensive lineman. So the first offensive player is Monroe Freeling out of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Yeah, big boy. Uh, and then you keep going. You got Troy Bow- uh, Bowles, the uh, son of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach at linebacker, Jordan Hall, defensive lineman, CJ Allen linebacker. Uh, then you get to another offensive player, you know, way down Tyler Williams, 85 ranked nationally. Um, you know, maybe another guy that can make a, a run at some playing time next year. But, you know, Todd Montgomery's shown some stuff with this offense he's very creative he gets the ball to playmakers in space and and finds a way to get the ball in their hands but uh you know even if you look below Tyler Williams the next next guy is another defensive guy what what do you make of of you know will Georgia be able to recruit offensive players at you know as high a level um you know I don't know what it looks like for the 2024 class I guess but uh, what, what do you make of that
2: well, sure. I mean, I, I think definitely. But, you know, it always goes back to Kirby and his, you know, philosophy of, of the defense uh, being hard-nosed, tough guys. And I think that's where they start sometimes. But, I mean, I, I know Tyler Williams is a athletic, explosive guy. You look at uh, Jack, uh, rosemary Jack Saint. That was a good receiver they brought in recently who, you know, was top-ranked uh, guy. And every year it seemed like for a, what, three-year stretch they were bringing in a five-star quarterback. And we'll see who sticks around, you know, over time. But uh, I, I, I don't think there's anything to be concerned about when it comes to Georgia's offense, and especially when the whole, you know, successful run the past two years has been led by a walk-on quarterback. I mean, sometimes you know, look at, look at uh, McConkie. I mean, he's a guy who was three-star. Right. Nobody thought he'd be anything more than a. Yeah. Than a punt return at best. And here he is one of Georgia's best receivers. So they seem to find and develop some guys that don't have to have five stars by their names and just find success all over the place.
1: There's one running back in the class. That's Roderick Robinson out of San Diego. And I think he was the, I saw Max preps, I guess gave him maybe California player of the year. Um, He's rated 204th nationally, but um, you know they've had success with running backs from the other side of the country. Uh, Kendall Milton, in particular, uh, is really coming on recently. So, uh, and they also have a kicker, Peyton Woodring from Lafayette, Louisiana. Now, I noticed over the weekend that um, Georgia's kicker, Jack Paul Lesney, accepted an invitation to the Hula
2: Bowl or something. Like
1: that. Hula Bowl, which is actually going to be in Orlando, not in in uh, Hawaii. Um, but That's he false advertising. He, he was noncommittal about um, playing. Uh, you know, whether he might come back next year. And so that's kind of answers the question because he's now there was somebody a couple of years ago that accepted an invitation to one of these games. And that I don't think that precludes him from uh, still coming back, but, but probably a strong indication that he's gone. All right, Ron, let's uh, let's go ahead now and uh, bring on our guest uh, to talk Ohio state and Georgia.
2: Thanks for listening to the Bulldogs extra podcast. Like what you hear subscribe today, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating, a like, and even leave us a comment to let us know how we're doing. As always, find more content at OnlineAthens.com and in the Athens Banner Herald. Now, let's get back to the show.
1: All right, joining us now from Atlanta is Joey Kaufman, covers Ohio State for the Columbus Dispatch, uh, our sister paper, I guess, uh, in the Gannett chain, and uh, we'll be covering the Buckeyes, Georgia, or as we say around here, I guess Georgia and Ohio State. Joey, thanks for joining us hey thanks for having me all right the Buckeyes got to town Christmas day uh youth were supposed to but um as uh we're seeing a lot of people around the country traveling these days uh with this weather is not so easy so um what did you learn about the country uh, between Columbus Ohio and Atlanta Georgia today there's a place called Bucky's which is
2: uh <laughs> don't get us started on that we, we I have my opinions on Bucky's
0: it's a large place. Uh, it has gasoline and food um, and other things that you can buy. Uh, There's just a mass of people there and cars. But that was that was our uh, our cultural stop uh, among the drive uh, through, I think, several states. Uh, Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, and then into Georgia. Uh, ended up being a longer travel day, I think, than we anticipated when we thought we would take an easy Christmas uh, day night flight real
2: yeah, snow, I, snowed in
0: not snow. uh columbus didn't really get a ton of snow it had some bad weather and ice but we had a, a staffing issue on our flight we couldn't get a uh co-pilot which uh you do need i guess uh two pilots <laughs> to, to fly the plane
1: mm.
0: one goes down yeah a...
1: that's unfortunate i mean I'm, I'm just saying ryan day could have cleared some space up for for you guys and uh flown in with the buckeyes i, I would suspect but
0: uh yeah, and a charter charter flight would have been uh been helpful. I think majority of the Ohio State beat has been a uh, stranded and had to ultimately had a drive. Which honestly, it's, it was an eight and a half hour drive. It, it could have been worse. At least uh, Ohio State wasn't in the Fiesta Bowl. I don't know how you would have uh, managed uh, <laughs> to, to drive to Phoenix.
1: Yeah. So uh, I guess I know how the beat writers will be tired tomorrow morning. But um, you know, what is the state of mind for for these Buckeyes? I guess for five days before the game, what, what's your sense of, of you know, um, where, where the uh, program is as uh, they're one of the last four standing?
0: Well, they've had a longer layoff than a lot of the other playoff teams because they didn't play on conference championship weekend. So by the time they get to kickoff on Saturday night in uh, Atlanta here, they'll be they'll go 35 days without having played a game. Most of those schools will have gone 28 days by, by virtue of playing conference championship weekend. So I think that's kind of interesting, just the fact that they've had, Probably more time to digest their last loss to Michigan and do some some game install and uh, game plan for for Georgia because I think uh, basically what they were they were gaming out on conference championship weekend when they were having practices they were basically preparing for the scenario of them backdooring into the playoff and and matching up with Georgia and that's the matchup they got so they were they were preparing for this they've had a lot of days to prepare for this uh, but they're not going to be as uh, Maybe fresh and from the standpoint, or not fresh, but uh, tested as as of late, just because of the be extra week.
1: So, Ron's going to ask the next question, or not the next one, but we'll usually go back and forth. But I want to ask before uh, let Ryan jump in. Was that a bad day against Michigan, or do you think it exposed some flaws that hadn't cost Ohio State a game this season?
0: Some of both. I mean, I think when you look at Ohio State this year, they were certainly vulnerable to to big plays in the secondary. That was a, I think, an issue that they had. did come up throughout the years, especially on defense. For whatever reason, they had been giving up big plays all year, and they were especially, I think, susceptible to a quarterback who could escape the sort of the first rush, extend a play, get outside the pocket. JJ McCarthy did that against Michigan for Michigan. And Ohio State had that issue with with some mobile quarterbacks. You even saw that in the non-conference schedule when they played Toledo. And and Toledo had a quarterback in Daquan Finn who who once Ohio State maybe collapsed the pocket and it looked like they were going to bring him down. He, for whatever reason, was able to evade the rush and keep a play alive and and throw something up down the field. So so that against Michigan, I think, was uh, not too surprising. I think when you look at Ohio State's offense, though, the fact that they only scored – three points in the, the second half against Michigan that felt like a bad day but but their defense to me I think you go through go back to September the first play of the year Jim Knowles called it blitz and it was it led to a big Notre Dame game that was the first play of the year so that's been a I think a common theme throughout the year Ohio states going to try to bring pressure try to get after quarterbacks but they uh, are susceptible if uh, things don't go right at first uh things breaking down and giving up some big plays. So is that the main
2: concern with a guy like Stetson Bennett who can get outside the pocket and and make some plays with his legs?
0: I think so. I think it's going to be one of the more interesting storylines because his mobility and being able to to wiggle out of stuff, I think, will be a challenge for Ohio State's pass rush. Can When they lay that first hit on him, can they bring him to the turf or will he find a way to, to move out of that and keep a play alive? I think that's going to have a lot of bearing on, on the results Saturday night.
2: Obviously, a lot of people in the southeast, especially Tennessee, were couldn't understand how a Stetson Bennett could have been in New York for the Heisman a couple weeks ago. What was the thoughts on that? Obviously, CJ Stroud was there, but was there any opinion on that up your way about you know how did this guy make it you know way? Well, he don't have the numbers to to be in New York for the Heisman. It,
1: I don't
0: think it came up a ton in, in the Midwest, and I think maybe the unusual part was uh, it was. Uh, I just, I, I think most for a lot of Ohio State people, I think the, the week after losing to Michigan, that was the, the predominant conversation. I don't think a lot of people felt too strongly about Stetson-Bennett's Heisman McKenzie one way or the other, mostly because CJ finished ahead of Stetson in, in the race. Maybe if Stetson had come in third ahead of Stroud, then then maybe you get more people who are, who are rolling their eyes. But I think just because of the way the place in, in, in the ultimate Heisman race maybe left things pretty subdued.
1: Joey Jackson Smith, uh, Nigba, and Tavion Henderson, top receiver and running back entering the season, are out. What does that mean for the Buckeyes? I know they haven't. Uh, well, Jackson in particular hasn't really played too much this year. You know, uh, you know. What's your thoughts on those guys? I guess were you expecting either of them to be available? it felt like bad
0: news for for Jackson Smith and Jacob for several weeks in in early November. There, there still seemed to be some optimism around Mm -hmm. his availability. And he's basically been a non-factor for, for most of the year. He got hurt in the first quarter against Notre Dame has tried to return twice for two games against Toledo and Iowa. And and came out early in, in both of those games. So he's never really been an involved part of the offense, but, uh, in early November, it felt like he had a chance to maybe play against Michigan or play against play in a college football playoff, sort of a sim- similar situation to, to Jalen Waddle, Alabama, a few years ago where he comes back for the, the playoff, maybe even in a more limited capacity, but is available nonetheless. But it was just not a lot of optimism expressed later in, in November. So I, I guess it's not too surprising that ultimately he, he pulled out. It just think he never got fully healthy. To me, Travion Henderson was more of a... a not to say surprised, but I think it felt like in late November, he, he was still in play for the playoff. He'd been dealing with a, a broken bo- bone and ligament in his, his boy, uh since September when he's healthy though, he, he gives Ohio state's offense. I think a, another dimension. He's, he's their more explosive running back between him and Mayan Williams. So when he is at full strength, I think he's the back that they would, would rely on to, to, throw a swing pass to or for handoff and, and he could take off for a big run so he's he's the, the explosive element to their running game so not having him and Jackson has the jig i think for the whole season they were sort of the at least the preseason those two and cj Stroud were sort of the big three for ohio state's offense and they've really only had one and a half of those guys i think this year trade down has been limited and then they really haven't had jackson at all along with cj
1: a hey, quick quick follow up on that. Who's Ohio State's best running back now? I know they uh, against Michigan they, they played a guy that really hadn't uh, gotten too much work this year. Um, you know, are you pretty confident? You know, uh, like who's going to get the workload on, in this game?
0: I, I don't feel confident because it's been such a a odd collection of, of maybe the way they've handled the running back rotation the last month of the season. I mean, Dallin Hayden was a breakout freshman against Maryland had twenty five. 26 carries uh, to help him beat Maryland. Then the following week against Michigan, he has two carries in favor of Chip Train who was a linebacker for the first six weeks. And it felt like maybe they were trying to to have an ace up their sleeve for for Michigan and really throw off their plan. So that that was unusual. I, I do think the important thing to keep in mind, though, I think if I had to, my best guess to be mine, Williams will be the starting running back. Uh, he's closer to full strength. He, he rolled an ankle against Indiana mid-November played against Michigan, wasn't at full strength, which was probably why Chip Traynum also got as many carries as he did. I think if, if Mayan Williams is, is close to hundred percent, he's their best available bag. And even when Travion was healthy, Mayan was going to split carries with Travion. He's, he's a smaller guy, five, nine, low center of gravity, tough to really bring down because of his size and he can be shifty, but he's also pretty physical. So I think, I think he would be the guy they would rely on the most.
2: Obviously, there was frustration after the loss to Michigan, but is Ryan Day in any trouble if this isn't, uh, you know, a close game or if they lose it, you think? Not among, I think, the powers that be, the
0: people, uh, his boss, Gene Smith, and, and he signed a big contract extension a year ago, but I think in terms of the the angst that Ohio State's fan base is feeling would, would only intensify if, if they lost. I think some of the, the pressure on Ryan Day within within Columbus and among the fan base would grow because he's, he's got a great record he's 45 and five but he and he's gone to the college football playoff three out of the four years he's been Ohio State's head coach he's, he's kept them I think largely humming since taking over for Urban Meyer but they're now one and two against Michigan this is the first time they've lost consecutive games uh to that program since the end of the the John Cooper era in 99-2000 his predecessors Jim Tressel and, and Urban Meyer had so much success in the rivalry so th- for a lot of people, that's a big strike against them. And then if they were to lose to Georgia, I think it would be another situation where they get to the college ball playoff and maybe don't pull off a big-time big win. So I think those two things would lead to a lot of restlessness among Ohio State fans. I think they want to feel like there's momentum going forward other than just qualifying for the postseason.
1: Getting back to the defense for a second, uh, the big plays given up by Ohio State against Michigan – do you expect there'll be a less aggressive scheme this time, or is that kind of who they are?
0: I think it's kind of who Jim Knowles is. Uh, he's a guy who uh, is not really afraid to to bring pressure and, and go after quarterbacks. I don't necessarily think they were overly aggressive against Michigan per se. Like if you go to look, if you look at their pro football focused blitz numbers for that game, they were pretty low. I think the unusual part was maybe the. the scenarios in which they called to bring pressure like the, the the first play I think that comes to mind was Michigan's first touchdown the the 69 yard touchdown that J.J. McCarthy goes to Cornelius Johnson who, who catches the ball and turns up field after a missed tackle last they basically called an all-out blitz on a, on a third and long when Michigan hadn't done all that much offensively but I don't really expect they'll they'll change their approach too much. They they put a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks, the cornerbacks throughout the year, where they're going to send pressure from from different spots, and, and that can sometimes put their their corners in a, in a tough position. And they've had they've had a hard year, but th- they want those guys to be able to to make those those plays. And I think Jim Knowles has brought a certain aggressive style to Ohio State defense, and they've improved, I think, quite a bit uh, year over year compared to where they were a year ago, where where Kerry Combs began the years, the, the defensive coordinator and play caller and secondary coach Matt Barnes got promoted to to calling plays for the defense, so they're better than they were uh, a year ago. Uh, but the the uh, I think sometimes the aggressiveness, at least in the Michigan game, came back to bite a little bit.
2: This being Georgia's third game, I think at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium this year, uh, how much of a disadvantage does that put? Ohio State at, if any, or or do you think that's a big advantage for for Georgia to have their third game at the same place?
0: I expect it'll be a big advantage from, from I think largely the t- potential the, the the way the crowd's going to be split up and each school got a a ticket allotment of thirteen thousand, but fifty something odd fifty something or so tickets that were sold, to, uh, I guess, by the Peach Bowl to uh, to locals in Atlanta. I think if those are all snatched up by. By Georgia fans, it could be a pretty heavy crowd tilt in favor of, of the Bulldogs and end up being a de facto home game. If a lot of Ohio State fans end up making this trip and and packing the place, or you have the Ohio State alumni in, in the southeast here come, I think that'll that'll certainly help. But I think that, that'll be the I think the real advantage that Georgia would have is potentially with the crowd and whether it's for Ohio State, kind of like when they faced the uh, LSU. In, the, in that BCS title game in, in 07 down the Sugar Bowl where it was a pretty heavily uh, Tiger crowd.
1: Joey, Ohio State's had some good quarterbacks, obviously, in the last, uh, you know, just go back to the last decade. I guess you could include Joe Burrow in there who showed that at LSU. But uh, C.J. Stroud, how good is he? And and what has to happen for that offense to click, click big in this game with Marvin Harrison Jr. and the other wideouts uh, that they have?
0: I think when CJ Stroud's at his best, he can make a lot of high-level throws. Uh, he can th- put the ball in some some tight windows, especially along the sideline, with with Marvin Harrison Jr. I think those guys have a have a real connection and, and ability to to make some some really high-degree difficulty throws. And, and I think that's the, the maybe the, the separating thing that that CJ Stroud can do is, is thread some some needles down the field. And he's a pretty smart quarterback. I think part of, I think, to appreciate his style of, of play is he's able to, I think, uh, manipulate some stuff in coverage. And he has a pretty I think, good grasp of, of, of their system overall, him being his second year uh, behind center for Ohio State, where things can go south for them. And I think where he, I think for a lot of Ohio State fans, and maybe the limitation of him as a quarterback is when plays break down he's not always good outside of structure and he's gotten a little better about that at times this year when he's been able to, to make some throws on the run. And, and we've seen him as maneuvering to his right and, and throw on the run and maybe making some, some throws he couldn't a year ago. But I think in general, when there's, a, there's a big time rush and he's having to flee from the pocket. I think that's uh, if that's happening a lot, Georgia should feel pretty good about the position they're They're putting themselves in because, Outside of a, a few moments here and there, that's not really the game that CJ Stroud wants to play. He's not what, what Justin Fields was at Ohio State a few years ago, where he was really comfortable extending plays. And if he got flush from the pocket, he would be very happy to to keep buying time and buying time, wait for something to happen. He can make a lot of those plays, but but I think CJ Stroud is, is a far more conventional pocket style quarterback.
2: All right, Joey, we'll uh, get you out of here on this one. Georgia coming into this, to this one a six and a half favorite, but what's your gut? How do you think this one will go? How can Ohio State uh, pull off the upset maybe, or uh, will Georgia pull on out and uh, win this as the number one team?
0: I still like Georgia in this matchup, and I, and I think a lot of it comes down to me. I just don't know if Ohio State's going to be able to run the ball consistently against Georgia, which nobody has done all year and considering how anemic Ohio State's uh, rushing offense has been this year. Uh, it's tough to see them really getting the the momentum they need to on the ground to make things easier on C.J. Stroud and Marvin Harrison Jr. and all those guys. It, it feels like they're, those guys are going to be t- stressed too much. So I think they'll put up a good fight. I think Ohio State certainly has a, has a puncher's chance in this game because they, they can be really explosive offensively. And you saw in the fourth quarter against Penn State, they can score in bunches. There are, are a lot of weapons on offense, but I think overall, I think Georgia's up front is going to be too tough for Ohio State to handle.
1: Joey, appreciate you joining us and uh, get some sleep. We'll see you in Atlanta this week as uh, the uh, media interviews will be in full force as we have several days now. Interviewing the uh, the Buckeyes and the Bulldogs uh, leading up to Saturday's game. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. and I'm
0: very glad to be in Atlanta and have some boots on the ground.
1: All right, we thank Joey uh from joining us from the Columbus Dispatch uh with some insight on the Buckeyes. Ryan, before we uh, make our uh, a lot more bull picks, uh would be very compelling. Listeners don't need to sign off now. Uh Georgia basketball, I think, is now nine and three heading into a game with Ryder on Wednesday night. Um Kyron Lindsay, a freshman who started much of the season, uh apparently in the transfer portal. That uh that news came last week while I was uh, on furlough as ryan took a furlough earlier in the week uh not great timing for a, a contributor he started some games this year a good number of games 6'7 215 pound uh freshman out of denton texas who signed with unlv initially and then became mike white's first high school recruit to come to georgia um kind of weird timing i think,
2: I think that was very weird and yeah he's a four-star guy i think uh definitely the best in that recruiting class from last year. But, yeah, you know, I saw somebody ponder the question on Twitter. Like, he can't go anywhere mid-season and play, right? Uh, I mean, you know, there's been those things in the past where a high school senior could join, you know, in January.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, but, I mean, that's not a case where you can leave one program and join another for the next semester type of deal, right?
1: No, and I don't even know academically, like, if you wanted to go to another school and, right. you know, be there as a student. Uh, but – um, yeah, I don't, don't know about that, but, you know, I mean, Georgia obviously playing some good basketball. Now they, they beat Notre Dame, they beat Chattanooga, um, Irish, by the way, I think it's now lost maybe four in a row or, uh, yeah, three or four in a row. Yeah. They, they lost to Florida state midweek last week. Um, but, uh, you know, kind of caught me by surprise. I was looking up some stuff and, um, not really regarding Lindsay, but, sec play begins i think wednesday this week georgia not playing their first game uh until next week but uh there's several sec games already starting up as as the schedule um already gets cranked up with with some of those games um mike white didn't have much to say about Lindsay the other day and i'm not sure if he will tomorrow he's got a late afternoon availability so uh we'll see um you know w- what happens there but Bulldogs are playing uh well now and uh Braylon Bridges uh you know becoming a force again. Um and then Terry Roberts is doing his thing. So and
2: that's yeah, our battle. What was uh Bridges in that Notre Dame? Eleven for eleven or nine for nine? Something crazy. And 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 who did he team with? Was it Moncrief?
1: Yeah, Moncrief was six of six. I yeah,
2: think. incredible. Hey, they that's your bread and butter, man. Keep keep going to it.
1: All right, Ryan, I know you're no longer keeping tabs even. Uh you're too busy. Uh, I, I don't know what you're doing, spending time with your wife, uh, coming up with your own concoction of eggnog or what. But <laughs> I want eight and eight in the bowl so far, uh, so that's not horrible, I guess. Uh, so um, let's kick on, kick around some bowl picks. Uh, starting, I think we missed out on the quick
2: lane bowl today. I don't even know what happened when, when that was. Uh, I can tell we, you what happened. and I actually watched some of that. Oh, who who won? New New Mexico State beat Bowling Green. Twenty-four okay. to nine, nineteen. Bowling Green, by the way. Correct me
1: if I'm wrong. Didn't didn't they sign a Clark Central quarterback?
2: That they did. Uh, Lucian Anderson uh, inked with the the Fighting Eagles. Is that David Letterman's school? Was he at ball? Green? Uh, no, that's that's Ball State. Come on, Ball State. And Ball State's coming to Georgia next year. So all right, uh, all right. So I I know what your main story is going to be.
1: No, that's not true. But I'm going to get I'm going to let him I'm going to let him on the podcast. What do you think?
2: Hey, I'm all for it. Dave. Can you bring a top ten list? What do you think?
1: I don't think he does that anymore.
2: Uh, he's got, damn.
1: He's got a Netflix show, which I think I saw like some of season one, but I haven't really watched it since then. So maybe I need to yeah, did it. Yeah, did he out. have
2: he had a beard too that was I mean, He had. He
1: still does. That thing's well,
2: yeah, that's what I meant. Like, yeah.
1: Hey, hey wh- what are you doing talking about letterman? We got we got a we got some bunch of bullpicks. picks. All right, All right get we're on. Not, we're not spending much time on these. Camellia Bowl Tuesday in Montgomery, Alabama, Georgia Southern versus Buffalo. Now, I saw uh, Frank Solkowski who covers Georgia Southern for a TV station down there, He tweeted out a photo from the Embassy Suites in Montgomery, and the Georgia Southern folks had taken it over. I feel bad for anyone that checked in that place just expecting a nice, quiet night in Montgomery, <laughs> and they have hundreds of uh, Georgia Southern fans uh, filling the place up with cheers and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. I'm going to go Georgia Southern.
1: I didn't tell uh, you the spread. It's the, Eagles, <laughs> it's the Eagles by four and a half.
2: Yeah, I know. I See, I'm in a, a bowl pick on so I already know my pick on this, and I'm going to uh, go with Southern. Nope, I'm
1: taking Buffalo.
2: Uh, Can thrilled- they even leave? I mean, do we know if they got out of Buffalo?
1: Sure they did. They, they had to be in Montgomery all week to uh, prepare for the game. So uh, they're so thrilled not to be up, up north that they're going to come out and kick some butt, uh, or at least they're going to cover the spread.
2: There you go. All right.
1: All right. The first responder bowl also, this is a lot of games on Tuesday. It's Memphis and Utah State. This is in Dallas. It's Memphis by seven and a half. Uh this is two six and six teams. I'll take Utah State getting the points.
2: You know, I was looking at these, uh, the schedule of Utah State, and it's not it's very underwhelming. But that is a big number for a bowl game. But I'm gonna stick with Memphis. Give me Memphis.
1: Birmingham Bowl, it's Coastal Carolina and East Carolina. Mm-hmm. Well, it was, I guess North Carolina and South Carolina were busy; they couldn't make it. We, I don't know. I <laughs> don't know what Western Carolina is doing now, but uh, Eastern Carolina favored by seven. Go ahead, Ron.
2: I mean, that's basically their neighbors, right? Uh, one's in Wilmington, and the other's in uh, somewhere uh, close by. Anyway,
1: is that Conway? That's where Conway is. Conway. Okay.
2: They had a bowl game there last week, in fact. But I'm going to take East Carolina. They've had some big wins this year, and I think they. Uh, I think they got a pretty good team.
1: Yep, give me the Pirates. Grace McCall is playing in the game, even though he's in the transfer portal, I believe.
2: Didn't he announce where he was going? No, where's he going? I thought he announced, but um, maybe maybe I'll do some research here real fast.
1: All right. Uh, the guaranteed rate bowl in Phoenix is also on Tuesday, the last game of the day. It's Oklahoma State and Wisconsin. That's a pretty good game. Badgers by three and a half. Now, I was surprised to read that Luke Fickle is coaching in the game for Wisconsin. That doesn't usually happen where the head coach – Of a new, uh, you know, a a new coach comes on. Can you imagine Kirby, like, if he coached in the uh, in the in the Texas Air Bowl that year?
2: I thought he wasn't coaching. Are you sure about that? I saw him on signing day the other day, and I thought he said that he was going down to the game.
1: I thought I read that he's coaching. He might. It might
2: have changed. I mean, this was a week ago now, but
1: no, I got to do some Google research.
2: (laughs) Anyway, so what's the anyway? anyway,
1: anyway, It's uh, it's Badgers by three and a half. I'm gonna say, give me Oklahoma State getting the points.
2: I don't know, man. They went on a. Bummer of a slide the end of the year. Uh, give me, give me a recharge, Wisconsin with Luke Fickle being in attendance, no matter where he's at. Uh, give me Wisconsin.
1: All right, so I'm seeing an ESPN story. Uh, Luke Fickle to remain in background for Wisconsin's bowl. He'll be on the sideline. Okay, but he said interim coach Jim Leonard will be uh, calling the plays. Interesting, later. interesting. But I mean, that's got to be a, wait. Is Jim Leonard staying on staff though? I don't know. All right. Anyway, let's ro- let's roll on. We got too many games. Wednesday, state's the military bowl in Indianapolis. In It's UCF and Duke. uh, Duke by three. Go ahead, Ryan.
2: Yeah, give me the Dukies. I like the Dukies.
1: I'm taking the Blue Devils, also playing up north. The Liberty Bowl. It's Arkansas and Kansas in Memphis. Uh, SEC is 0-2 so far in the bowl season. It's Arkansas by three. must say give me the Jayhawks. What do you think of that? Oh,
2: man, Rock Chalk, huh? No, I mean, all Arkansas has to do is hop across the river there and they'll be in Memphis. So give me Arkansas in the – near location there you know
1: all right the san diego union union credit union holiday bowl maybe i threw an extra union i'm not ah. sure it's, it's north carolina and oregon
2: hey that's the one in san diego right
1: it's called the san diego union credit bowl so yes it is in san diego
2: oh okay <laughs> yeah that's always a fun. that's one of my favorite every year
1: the bowl the bowl game is okay yeah uh, is that wait is that played in the in the uh, padre stadium
2: yeah, I think so. Yeah, I used to be playing the old uh Charger Stadium, I remember. And it was always a good game. It was like Washington Purdue or something every year and it was always always a thriller. Late night football too. All
1: right. It's Ducks by 14 and a half. I will take the Ducks. Uh it's a West Coast deal. North Carolina's go got to go across country. Uh even though Oregon's kind of focused on recruiting, UNC has been bad lately, so I'm taking Oregon.
2: That's a big number though. 14 and a half. Nah, give me, give me UNC to, to keep it a little bit closer. Uh, Drake May's playing, right? Yes, he is. Oh, uh, yeah, give me him. I mean, I know he kind of slumped near the end of the year, too, but I got faith in him to keep that thing fairly close.
1: All right, Texas Bowl. It's Texas Tech and Ole Miss. The game is in Houston. It's Ole Miss by three and a half.
2: Uh, yeah, give me give me Fighting Kiffins.
1: All right, no idea. I'll take the team getting the points. That's Tech. It's uh, Thursday, Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl in Yankee Stadium, Syracuse and Minnesota. In New York, Gophers by 10. Too many points. I'm taking uh, Syracuse. Syracuse, then, yeah.
2: Yeah, I would, too. I hope it's snow in there. That's two teams that would enjoy the snow a bit.
1: Now I'm not sure who's favored. Is, is that right? Who's favored that
2: game? Is it Minnesota or Syracuse? I, w- I would think Minnesota, but give me, give me uh, Syracuse. All right. Uh,
1: the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando, it's Oklahoma and Florida State. The Seminoles by
2: 9.5. Oh, wow. Uh, then I'll say Oklahoma can keep it closer.
1: Uh, give me Florida State, big. Ooh. The Alamo Bowl in San Antonio. It's Texas and Washington Longhorns by three and a half. I'm gonna take Texas in Texas.
2: Yeah, I think I'm with you. Give me Texas. All
1: right, Friday. It's the Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte. It's <laughs> Maryland and NC State, an old ACC matchup. It's the Wolfpack by one.
2: Uh, yeah. Give me the give me the give me the pack to cover the one.
1: Yep, I'll take NC State. Tony the Tigers, Sun Bowl in El Paso. Yep. Pitt and UCLA. It's the Bruins by five and a half. Give yep. me the give me the Pac-12 team.
2: Yep, give me you silly
1: Gator Bowl. Greg McGarrity's game in Jacksonville. <laughs> he gets South Carolina, Notre Dame, the Irish by two. I have no idea which way this one goes, but I'll take Notre Dame. Gamecocks already had their big wins this year.
2: Okay, no, give me give me the the fighting Beamers rolling. They're 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 picking up steam. Give me give me the Gamecocks. All
1: right, the Barstool Arizona Bowl in Tucson. What, is, what if Georgia had to play in a game called the Barstool Bowl? Uh, oh, Ohio versus Wyoming. Ohio by one. The game is out west. I am taking Wyoming.
2: Oh, geez, I don't know. Give me Ohio then.
1: Orange Bowl, Tennessee and Clemson, plenty of orange. Uh, Tigers by five and a half. Ryan, what are you doing?
2: I mean, give me Clemson uh, just, you know, with with Tennessee missing their quarterback. Though Milton didn't do bad when he played the other day, but uh, I get, give me give me Clemson.
1: Give me the Bulls, getting the points. Saturday. Sugar Bowl, Alabama, Kansas State, tied by six and a half. I'm taking Alabama, giving the points. They seem locked in for this
2: one. Oh, yeah, Alabama big.
1: Music City Bowl in Nashville. It's Iowa and Kentucky. Hawkeyes by two and a half.
2: Iowa. Give me
1: Iowa. We'll let uh, Levis has opted out of this game. Fiesta Bowl, TCU and Michigan. This is the national semifinal. Wolverines by seven and a half. I will take Michigan, giving the points.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. I think they win easily.
1: Very impressed with Michigan, uh, the way they dismantled Ohio State in that second half. Yeah. Peach Bowl, Georgia, Ohio State, Bulldogs by six and a half. Ryan, what are you doing?
2: All right. So, you know, as we as we heard from our friend a, a little while ago, uh, I think Georgia has, uh, you know, just stacked, stacked defense. And, and up front is where they always shine. And he said, Without Ohio State not having much of a running game, I mean, that's the number one thing Georgia focuses on all the time is stopping the run. So I think this is going to be a game where, you know, Georgia just flexes this muscle, kind of like last year's Orange Bowl. And uh, I think they come out and, and, and pretty much have their way and uh, put up a lot of points and, and win pretty big. So I, I say they definitely cover the six-and-a-half Bulldogs on in the national championship game.
1: Yep, I'm taking Georgia. Uh, I had to do a prediction for the Columbus paper. I think I went 30 24 Georgia, um, and some of the reasons I, I wrote uh, in in the little blurb that will go with it. Ohio State has a motivation factor on its side after that Michigan game. Uh, you know, kind of came became a disaster in the second half, but Georgia defense has surely heard plenty about these 502 passing yards LG put up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, since then, I'm expecting, you know, CJ Stroud and Marvin Harrison Jr. That's quite a combination. They're going to make their plays. I think the Buckeyes are not going to be able to get anything going with the run game, as Joey mentioned. I mean, the way Georgia is stopping the run, that's a very tough, uh, stout front. And I think Stetson Bennett has played his best in the biggest games, uh, you know, for Georgia the last, what, three, four times out. This certainly is one of them. Ohio State's defense gives up big plays, or at least they certainly did against Michigan. That's bad news with Todd Munkin getting four weeks to prepare georgia
2: absolutely i I like your points there ryan yes sir
1: make those those reservations for la i don't know if i don't know if we're both going or not but uh now i don't want to jinx that though you know fans will be pissed at me if i say make a reservation so everybody enjoy (laughs) the game uh bring a bottle of champagne to pop uh before midnight i guess and and then maybe celebrate a victory uh for georgia and uh hopefully it'll be a fun week in atlanta and
2: here's here's a question Will we be able to pop the champagne before the game is over? Didn't we uh, get? Uh, well, you weren't at the Orange Bowl, were you? Nope, nope, I wasn't.
1: I think they had some champagne in there afterwards.
2: But will the game be over before midnight? I guess is my like I think post-game.
1: I think it's supposed to end. I mean, who knows? But like, yeah. I think ideally they think it'll end like at eleven forty-five-ish or something. So I'll be like waiting for post-game interviews at midnight probably. So fun. Pour pour one out for me because I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to be doing that. Uh, uh, so
2: I'll, I'll drink your half.
1: All right, you guys, we'll be back next week with another podcast uh, talking about whatever happens in this game and, and what's next for Georgia. So have a great uh, rest of 2022, and uh, happy early New Year for you.
2: Yep. See y'all you all next week.